0: So we're going to jump into this series this month called Change, and if I were sitting in your seat, I'd be like, oh, here we go, another series on change, and I got to be better, and I got to be different, and all this kind of stuff, but I promise you, if you give your best effort, uh, we're going to look at this from a different angle. It's not going to be your kind of typical, uh, but, but the other, another part I want to share, too, is this, is many times, and you've heard me say this, the, the, the teachings in the New Testament started with what we would call an exhortation, saying, hey... I know you know this stuff. I know you've heard this stuff. And they would even say, but it's good that we remind each other of some of these practical things because we get way off course. We say, and we say it all the time, the largest gap in the world is between what we know to do and what we actually do. And, uh, and so that's what we're going to try to do is try to close that gap. And some of the content that we talk about this month is, yeah, we all know we need to change. We all know we need to make a few things different and adjust, uh, but, but actually following through and sticking through on that becomes a whole nother story. Amen. And then I thought about it like this, we all want to win, we all want to be successful at what we do, especially in the things of God and raising our families and, and our jobs and all the stuff that we participate in. We all want to win, we all want to do it right, and uh, there's adjustments along the way that you have to make to be successful. 2 Timothy 4, seven. 2 Timothy 4.7 says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. And I love just the description here because uh, you know a good Jewish mind would look at this and they would start to they'd start to compare and analyze. What does it mean the good fight and finishing the race and keeping the faith? That means there's a chance that you could lose the faith, And, and finishing the race means there was a chance that you might not have finished the race, and being in the good fight means there was a battle, there was some give and take. And so just this scripture alone, you could look at. There was adjustments that had to be made in the fight. There was adjustments that had to be made in the race. There were things that had to happen to keep the faith and to be a finisher, amen? The trouble is we just are not programmed to be changers, people that like change. I'm not either. Uh, I would eat at the same few restaurants all the time. Uh, I'm kind of an old man at nature. I'm 32, but I like, you know, it's, I'm the like, don't touch my stuff guy, you know? And uh, I have a golden retriever and he's an old man at nature. And so that's what we do. We just do old man things. And uh, you know, like, who yeah, anyway, so it doesn't matter. So and we're like kind of programmed some more than others, but we're programmed to We don't like change. We don't like stuff being uh, thrown at us. And we'll talk about kind of the elements of change in a minute. But it is a huge part of life. Change happens. If I could call this sermon anything, I would just say it's change happens, whether you like it or not. And the thing is, you can miss out on tremendous opportunity if you aren't willing to handle change. They said this about the telephone. They said the telephone has too many shortcomings to be seriously considered as a means of communication. The device is inherently of no value to us. Western Union in, ni- in 1876. Thomas Watson, the chairman of IBM, said, I think there is a world market for about, for about five computers. That's it. In 1943, he said that. Our house has like five by the time you do all our devices and stuff, right? And so while, while theoretically and technically, television may be feasible. Commercially and financially, it is an impossibility, is what one inventor said about the TV. Warner Brothers, in 1927, when they were talking about changing movies from the no talking, you know, like you you, to the talking, Warner Brothers said, who would want to hear an actor talk? Just thought it was a crazy idea that you would ever have a movie where you could hear the actors actually talk. Now, if you showed our kids a movie with no talking, they'd be I love this one. DECA Recording Company rejected the Beatles in 1962. They said, we don't like their sound in guitar music is on its way out. <laughs> it's crazy. The excuses that were made for things that were essentially just change or new. And I thought about in our life, we laugh at some of those. We, we look back and we go, oh, that's funny that they would say that about that. But in our lives, if we look back 10 years at some of the excuses we made in our lives about things, we would laugh at ourselves. We say, oh, it's not a big deal, I have it under control, and then 10 years later, it's grown into something out of control, and it's kind of laughable or maybe even sad. We, we can't be somebody who so refuses change that you look back on your life with regret or with sadness or laughing like, I can't believe I thought that way because of excuses we made with unwillingness to change, amen? I was watching the NBA playoffs this year, and of course, they were talking about, the greatest player in basketball history, LeBron James, and um, and uh, they were talking about how he made adjustments to his game, and that he was so great at one thing, but with the league changing and all this, he had to make adjustments, and so. Uh, he, you know, so he changed this and he added this part to his game. And they said, you know, all the greats. And they went through all the greats, how, how they had to make adjustments as their careers went on and they did this different stuff. Why? Because winners understand that to grow and to continue to get to the next level, you have to be okay changing things. Amen? And it's easy to sit in church and say, hey, Amen, yeah, we all need to change and grow. But when you leave, it's different, right? Because we get in our car, and we drive home the same old way, and we you know, probably eat at the same few restaurants, and we, we're just so programmed to doing the same thing. Uh, I was um, on a Periscope this week, which is like an online app uh, that you kind of do like a chat and a video thing with a church in Oklahoma, and so here we are. I'm on this Periscope with this pastor. They're just doing incredible things, and uh, here we are, a 200-member church, and they're about a 15,000-member church. And the pastor's on there giving an announcement about a conference that they normally do, uh, where thousands of people come to this conference. And, um, and he was telling all of us that have participated in it, he said, we're not doing that conference this year. He said, uh, we're in a season as a church where we need to relearn how to do church. Like, you have 15,000 people that come to your church. Like, it just blew my mind that literally they were willing to, like, push some things aside and be willing to change and make adjustments and grow uh, At 15,000 people, like you could hang it up, you could kick your feet up. But God has called us to continue to abound and grow more and more and more. And uh, so I was actually texting with him a little bit later, and he was just saying, you know, we have found in our life as a church, every time we grew or every time we went to where God called us to be, it was when we were just married to changing what we were married to in the first place. And so an example is like, literally, Jesus, if you look at how he came and taught and did all these different things, he didn't come and heal everybody the same way. He didn't Because you would get married to the system instead of the savior, right? And so it's the same thing in our life. We would get so married to the same old way that we do all this kind of stuff that all of a sudden we think we're the one running the show instead of God running the show, amen? So I think that's why change is so important in our lives is because God is always looking to grow us The universe right now is expanding faster than it ever has. Like literally, we don't notice it, but literally you will never stand in the same place twice. Like you'll never be in the same place in life twice because of the way that we're growing and expanding as a universe. You'll literally never be in the same place. And I think that's interesting. It's like that's how God has actually designed us and called us to live. And that's why I'm encouraged by these songs that we sing that say, like, call me out into the deep. Don't let me be stuck in the same old thing. Like, let's let's expand. Let's go with God. Amen? Amen. Philippians one nine says, and this is my prayer that your love, and this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Grow in love and grow in what you know and grow in your interactions with one another. Don't say, hey, I've kind of graduated. I know enough, you know. Uh, You hear me say this often. We don't, you don't graduate from faith. Like, oh yeah, I had this big faith thing and God saw me through and now I have my faith degree and I'm just going to stop here. No, we continue to grow and grow in the things that God has for us. In 1902, the average lifespan in 1902 was 47 years old. 14% 14% of homes had a bathtub. 8% of homes had a car. There was or a phone. 8% of homes had a phone. There was only 800 cars at that time. There was only 144 miles of paved road, and the speed limit was only 10 miles per hour. Culture is constantly changing and going and progressing and moving forward. How much more so should the culture of God and the things of God be moving and going forward? He's all-knowing. Right. How much more should he be leading us? That's why Jesus said, I don't do anything unless the Father has shown me. We should be in a place in culture where we're just trusting God and moving forward faster than even our culture, amen? amen. Successful people thrive on change. If you look at people who've pushed things forward... The most successful people are those that thrive with change, and uh, I know you're all sitting here like, "Oh yeah, you know, change, change, change." You're already checking out and getting bored on me. But listen, you want success, you want to see things grow, you want, you have to be a person that identifies change. Let me make it real to you. There's a couple stages of change. There's change in your life where you say. I want change. Maybe you're bored, you're discontent, whatever. You choose the change. You say, okay, I want change. We're going to do something different. New job, new career, new house, you're moving, you're doing something, you choose change. And that one's probably the more easy one to navigate because you choose change. Another one is you have to change. A lot of times we think of change and we think, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm going to choose to change. I'm going to do something different. But then this is the hardest one, the have to change. It's not up to you. You say, what does that talk about? An example for me is this. Uh, My wife and I got married, we were young, and obviously you're newlyweds and you don't have any kids, and so your lifestyle was, yeah, let's get up, let's go do that, let's get a movie, let's do all that stuff. Then we had kids, guess what? I had to change, right? All of a sudden you wake up one day and you're like, wow, life is very different. And of course you read your books and your blogs and you plan for it and all that kind of stuff, but all of a sudden, boom, life changed on you. And now it's like, how do I navigate this? How do I, how do I get through this? And so there's the have-to changes in our life. All of a sudden, you've raised kids. You've had all this thing. You've done all this kind of stuff. All the kids are out of the house. You retire. All of a sudden, you look over, and it's just you and your wife. You shouldn't have laughed at that, dudes. <laughs> that was for your wife to laugh, but I heard a lot of men laughing. Right? And uh, how many of you know, and, and I'm not there, obviously, yet, but you know, all of a sudden you just one day, same as, same as being a parent, you wake up and you go, wow, life has really changed on me. The have to change. What do I do with this? And uh, I think it's one of the harder changes because you don't, you didn't plan it. You didn't ask for it. All of a sudden you woke up one day and it was there. And, uh, and so what do you do? How do you interact? And so it's important for us to be moldable. And Jesus, we're going to talk about it in this series, the wineskin, and, and being flexible and willing to grow with God and trust God in things. And so that's how we got to be. Okay, so God, now what do we do with this? And so you trust him in change, and we'll talk about a few things there. It's happened. You've either lost a job, and all of a sudden you have to get a new one. Or, and so there's the have to change. Another one that I wrote down is health to change. Uh, that happens. All of a sudden, for your health, you have to change. There's this health to change that happens. And so a sickness comes in and just rocks you. How could this happen to our family? How could this, whatever? And so the health to change happens. And God can be in that. And then I think one of the hardest ones is the don't have to change. Maybe you run a business or you've been uh, in a ministry for a while or you've done something and everything's going good. It's going good. You could cruise control it all the way out. But God is nudging you and he's unsettling you and he's stirring you. He's, put, he's like kind of, you know, hey, you got, he's putting all these nudges on you and all these different things, but you don't have to. The don't have to changes are very hard, but I would say in my life, they're the most rewarding. Yeah. Even this church, I could have jumped over to another campus of the church that I was a part of and would have been easier for this and this and that or whatever. Uh, and they were struggling it. And that's why we left, you know, and blah, 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 blah. But the don't have to change is hard because it deals with your security and oh you start talking and then when you use the word security what we really start talking about is dependence on God instead of ourselves. Dependence on God instead of our bank accounts. Dependence on God instead of our education. Somebody say amen. So we have to, I think we have to exist in all of these categories and you say well the health to change I hope I don't have sickness. So, hey I'm talking about a cold. You just trust God and, hey, things are changing. I'm going to trust you and rely on all these categories. Hey, God, am I in a season where it's the I can't stay where I am change, that I don't have to change, but I need to? You're in a business and maybe God's calling you to expand it. Or you've been in a business in a while, like Andy Straub would tell us. You know, he had a great business going. God called him to sell it. And I talk to him often throughout the week. And he is still just trusting God out in that deep water. God is blessing him and, and giving things to him. But he was in a position where he didn't have to change, He could have done, but, but he needed to change because that's what God was calling him to do, amen? So want to, have to, health to, and don't have to uh, are all areas that we exist and change. And so when you go home and you're in a situation, you're saying, God, think about these categories. Okay, God, lead me in these, amen? So I brought six points before we jump out of here, and, um, and they're going to be quick ones. They're just little bullet points, and then, uh, then we'll go hang out. So the first one about navigating through change and I know these are really practical but we're just setting up the series and we'll get into some fun kind of deeper stuff in the next couple weeks but these six are really practical we put into place when we're navigating through change number one is you need to know what you want when you're walking through change or know what it looks like so I'm in change right now and I'm trusting God for this okay but you need to know what you want that change to look like and the end result to look like. What are you talking about? Obviously, we all know Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, people perish. Your change will never come into what God wants it to be in your life until you can get a vision or a want to of what it looks like from God. Otherwise, we perish. Amen? What does it look like? And so very practically, I say, what does your parenting look like? What does your job look like? What does your church involvement look like? What is the vision of that? And then, if it's not that in your life right now, then that requires what? Change. So often, uh, we say this all the time at our house and in different things. I say all the time, anybody can point out the negative, anybody can point out what's not working, right? It's the real hard work of the people that say, okay, now what are we going to do to change it? So many people love running around putting up the negative head. Well, we need to do this. We need to do this. We need... Okay, but how are we going to change? How are we going to? So if you're coming up, hey, our parenting isn't looking like what I think it should, or at my job, it's not looking like what it should, or my involvement in this or that is not what I want it to be, then what do we need to do? Not talk about it. Change. We need to make changes. Identifying doesn't solve anything, amen? A good filter for it, of course, we all know the famous scripture, Matthew 6, 33, It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. Find in your life where you can put God first in all those areas. Say, God, I want change. God, I want things to look different. I want things to look more like you. Uh, I'm going to put you first in all of these things, and he'll add the pieces that you need to complete change. Amen? Number two, one thing when you're identifying how to navigate through change, number two, you have to figure out where you are. Before you can run after the vision, before you can go after It's like if I was going on a trip and I was like, hey, we're going to go to Chicago. We're going to go here. Uh, and I got out a map. The first thing they have you do on your Google Maps or whatever is locate where you are. You, before you can navigate to where you're going, you have to kind of identify and, and take an evaluation of where am I as a person right now? Where am I in life? And so before you go, you need to know where you are and you have to be honest. That's why Corinthians says, You have to let a man examine himself before you would take uh, communion. They would have this time of reflection and in looking and saying, hey, where am I really at? Because how many of you have ever done that um, where you do like a survey about yourself, a personality profile, whatever? And if you look at those, and I've done all kinds of them. uh, One, we did a real in-depth like Fortune 500 company came in and like did this whole thing with us. And the one thing they really grilled you on in the beginning is don't evaluate yourself on like who you want to be or who you think you are. Or like your goals of what you're thinking. Evaluate like where you're really at. And if you, so they had us do it the first way. Then they had us do it again. Like really not where you want to be or what you think, where you really are. And you did a whole different profile. I think it's easy for us to do that in church or in our Christian walk with God or whatever. We go, well, I'm really this and I'm really this. But if you got the data on where you really were, we'd probably be surprised. Somebody say amen. And so in order to grow through this change, you first have to be really honest about where you are, examine and take a look at where you are. Is this good? Is it okay? Okay. So God, hey, show me the things on the inside of me that I need to change and adjust to be able to work through and be honest with yourself uh, where you are. Number three, after evaluating, after you figure out where you are and you make a plan for where you want to go and you have a vision, this is where people miss it the most. You have to follow the plan. I have so many people that come to me. The Lord spoke this to me, and I want to do this ministry, and they got this vision, and they got all this stuff, and then they figure out where they are, and then they get this vision, this plan, and they come to me, and then they don't do the plan. It's just, that's where so many people fall off, is it's like, I got you know, God's called me to do things. Okay, great, and then they put it all, and then they literally just don't follow the steps and the plans of where they want to go. I believe one of the number one reasons we've seen Culture miss it, and especially our young people get off track, is because they just don't have goals and plans. They don't have a generation in front of them uh, like our older generation that it was like, hey, boy, you go out there and you learn to do this, this, and this, and you get it done. Amen? Right? Older generation, we got excuses for everything, and we do all that. They don't know how to follow through on plans. And uh, I thought about this. I saw this study on the lion tamer. You know, and so the lion tamer, he brings a stool and a whip. Into the lion, and if it was me, I'm bringing like a gun and a chainsaw, you know, to this lion thing. But the deal with it is that uh, the lion, when he looks at the end of that stool, uh, he gets confused because there's the four ends. So he holds that up. And of course, he has the whip to get his attention. Uh, and he most of the time, if you watch it, he obviously isn't even hitting him. He's just making noise with it. And uh, he looks at the end of that stool. And he can't pick which one he's going to attack. There's the four ends. And so what is he not doing? He's not following the plan. He's looking at all these other distractions. We know you get out of the boat and the waves crash and you get your eyes off Jesus and you sink. That's what's going on here is you're literally just not sticking to the plan. What has God called you to? And what has he given you a vision for? And you've identified that, yeah, this is what God's called me to do. Do it. Right. Amen. Follow through on it. And, uh, and so Psalms 37, 23, we all know this. It says, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. I love this lyric from one of my favorite bands. It says, to change the world, it starts with one step. However small, the first step is hardest of all. Literally, just that first step, getting past that part uh, is the most important thing you can do. It's like, I know it's scary and I know it looks a mile away, but the hardest part is the first step. Amen? So many people come to me and they say, well, I would just do it. I would just do it if I had that. If I had it like that person, if I had that like that, then I could do it. That's not what God has called you to do. He's called you to take a step in the direction of what he's called you to do. Amen? You guys still awake with me? (laughs) Give me an amen. Say amen. amen. Okay. Number four, two more points. Number four, take care of yourself through change. Change can be unstable and uncertain and a little rocky. And even that song describes it perfectly an ocean and waves and all this stuff. But in the process of change, it's really important for you to take care of yourself. I had a mentor uh, of mine in a season. He he taught me the importance of being selfish. It's like, dude, you just got to be selfish right now. Like, what are you talking about? You know, and uh, you have to spend time on yourself and your family, and and make sure what's in you is full and you're healthy and you essentially have the right spiritual nutrients. Amen. And so, in the season of change, it's really important for you to be putting the right things in and taking care of yourself. Uh, I thought about it like a car. It wouldn't matter how nice of a car you have. Oh, it's got all this nice stuff and it's got all this and that to it. But if you never put the right stuff in it, it's not going anywhere. If you have no gas in the car, it's not going anywhere. Same thing in our life. We get everything put together and we get, you know, our little Christian bumper stickers and we have all this stuff and we say and then we're not putting the right stuff in our lives and we're not living successfully. Amen. The Bible, uh, Joshua 1, eight says, Joshua 1.8 says, The Bible shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate. One translation in there says, Turn over in your mind on it day and night, that you may listen and do accordingly to all that is written in it. And when you do it, it will make your ways prosperous, and then you shall be smart and have good success. So we've had a rough couple of weeks just in culture and, uh, Bible attacks, all this different kind of stuff, watching Christians act crazy. And, um, we were in a staff meeting on Tuesday talking about it and, uh, she might not be in here, but, uh, Abby, are you in here? Abby's in here somewhere. Anyway. So we're talking about like, how do we make it through all this? How do we, you know, how do we, uh, keep loving others when you want to hit some people? Somebody say amen. And, um, and, uh. And Abby is like, hey, she's like, here's what I do. Now Abby's like a, she's like this super sweet spirit. And uh, she's also kind of a hippie. Um, (laughs) And so she says, um, she says, well, you know, and you guys are going to be like, I can't believe you choked up over that. But we're all getting into like these intelligent, like, well, what we should say and, you know, this and scripture. Like very peaceably, she's like, I just every day have to just renew my mind with the Bible. It's like I see so many people throwing darts and like, you know, just all this to like be heard and to be right and to like get them. She was like, you know what we should do? We just, we need to renew our mind with the word. We need to just take the Bible and just. Cleanse our hearts and keep our minds pure. And, like, and, like, and for me, sitting at the head table, if you will, I was like, what are we going to say? How are we going to? And she just reminded us that like God's word wins yeah. Yeah. in our hearts, in our minds, in our actions. Not that we didn't know that, but every day there's no reason to live in fear. Anytime that fear rises up in you about anything, just renew your mind. Yeah. That's what it's talking about. Yeah. Be a little bit selfish. Say, you know what? I just got to renew my mind because God is still on the throne and He's in control. And I love this saying Oh, you're persecuting Christians and you're taking their rights away. We've been here before, Christians, and we've grown. Every time we were persecuted, I'll talk about it a little bit in this series. Every time Christians were attacked and persecuted and da da da, they went from growing in number. The next time you heard of them in scripture, it says they were multiplying in number. I'm not scared about it. Somebody say, Amen. <laughs> So Joshua 1.8, be selfish. The Bible shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate or turn it over in your mind on day in, day out, that you may listen and do according to all that is written in it. And when you do it, you will, it will make your ways prosperous and you shall be smart and have good success. You'll be able to navigate your change. Amen. Renew your mind. Progress is impossible without change progress is impossible without change. And those who cannot change their minds cannot change anything. Those who cannot change their minds cannot change anything. Some of us are filling up so much of our lives with our influence of our TV and our friends who act crazy and music that is ridiculous. It costs us to fill up. It costs me something to fill up my car. It costs me money. It costs me something, but it costs me more if I don't. And I got to walk or push my car or whatever. It costs us something to fill up, but it costs you more not to fill up in life. Amen? Yeah. Number five, accept adjustments along the way and change. Accept those adjustments. In our car, same thing. We got to change the oil, tire pressure filters, shocks, all these things that we have to tweak along the way with our car. Same thing in our life. We got to change all these things. Ah, I can't think like that or hang out with that person or move this or do this. I got to stop this and that. What? We've changed those things, put in different parts that help us get to where we need to be. Amen. Second Timothy 3.16 says, every scripture is God breathed and given by his inspiration and made for instruction for reproof and conviction of sin, for correction of error, and discipline and obedience, for training and righteousness, so the man of God may be complete and talented and well-fitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's talking about a tune-up. The Bible is here to tune up our lives. Adjust this, change this, so that you run at your best. Amen? You want to run at your best? Let God speak into your life. Let the words and worship and these things keep us tweaked and adjusted. Amen? And then last, number six, I'll close with this. Uh, Maddie, if you want to come play. Too often we make the Bible like a good task on our list. That's what I was talking about when we examine our lives. We say, oh, uh, you know, I'm going to read the Bible, and it's a good bedtime story. It's a good inspiration, or it's whatever. But it really needs to be the thing that does some adjustments to us, that changes it. It's not a bedtime story. It's not just a good status update quote. I mean, it literally should be something that's doing a work in your life bringing about change and bringing about what it just said. So in our life, it's important for us to take the word of God and we're meditating on it, take that stuff, but then watch for God in our life. My sixth point is watch for the signs. You got to watch for the signs in your life that God is working in your change and that he's navigating you to where you need to be. Take the word, listen, make those adjustments, but then watch for the signs along the way. My brother, uh, he's two years younger than me. And when he went to the prom, he rented a Tux in Holland. And on his way back, uh, he was going down the road on a one way, the wrong way. And everybody was waving at him, is what he said. <laughs> he's like, I'm driving down the road, and everybody is like making a big deal. They're waving, they're acting crazy. And like, I didn't really, well, then he finally got pulled over. Like, he was so oblivious. And the cop pulled him over. You know why I pulled you over? He's like, "No." He's like, "Well, you're going the wrong way on a one-way." He was very oblivious to the signs. And I think as Christians, there's so many signs in your life that God's going, "Hey, I, I need you over here. I got you here. Trust me here. Say this. Do this. Act like this." And you're like my brother, just driving, like, "I don't see it. I don't." And then oftentimes you even say to God, like, "God, what's going on? Where are you? I don't." So, so we have to be aware of the signs. we got to be looking around. What God, what's God calling to me into? I don't want to go through the same old, same old. I love this thought in closing. Uh, we say this often here. Growth without change is impossible. Everything that grows, healthy things grow. Healthy things grow and growth without change is impossible. My little uh, Charlie's 12 weeks old and we're already putting away the newborn stuff because he's growing. And so there's change in his life. He's not the same length and all that stuff. Uh, why? Because healthy things grow and growth without change is impossible. And so in our life, if you're healthy and you're growing in the things of God, you should be a person who's changing. Not changing away from scripture and the core and the fundamentals. And the th- I'm talking about changing through our courses of life. Amen. I love this. Never believe that a few caring people can't change the world. For indeed, that's all who ever have. Don't believe the lie. I'm not going to make a difference if I trust God and step out. It's those types of people that go all in, willing to change, willing to follow God that make a difference. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? Watch want you all bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're in here this morning and you say, man, Pastor Josh, I, I love what you're saying about change and I need to make a change in my life. And you're in here and, and you say, you know, I don't know what that looks like. I just know that I'm ready to put my eyes on God and, and start a walk with him and make some more positive changes in my life. If you're in here, what's really cool about that is the Bible says that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God rose Jesus from the dead, then you're saved. Some people call it the sinner's prayer. Some people call it the prayer of salvation. That's what it is. But it's you making the decision today to make Jesus Lord of your life, to, to be a Christ follower and a Christian. And the best part about it is, is that the scripture says God will forgive you of your sins and heaven will be your home. Eternity is where you'll live after this life. And so if you're here You say, man, Pastor Josh, I want to get in on that today. I'm not going to call you out of your seat. I'm not going to embarrass you at all. All I'm going to do is when I count to three, I'll have you raise your hand so I can just kind of acknowledge your hand. And again, we're not going to embarrass you in any kind of way, but we're all going to pray that prayer together as a group. But I want to make sure you make a heart connection because that's what God's looking for. So if you're in here and that's you, you say, yeah, count me in that prayer. When I count to three, raise your hand. One, two, three. If you're here and you say, yeah, get me in on that. Right on. Okay. Okay. For the rest of us, if you want to pray that prayer, you didn't raise your hand, we'll have a prayer team up here at the end that could walk you through that too. But for the rest of us, week one of our series, I want us, before we leave, I want us in our hearts to kind of make a commitment to God today saying, hey, this is a four-week series on change. If you're serious about making change and growing with God, join with me in this prayer of saying, God, I may have done it this way a long time. I may have done it this way a long time. Uh, Whatever it is, uh, I used to think this way. Whatever the things are that you know you need to change, when I pray, just believe and ask God to to walk you through it and lead you through that. And I believe he's gonna grow you into something great. Amen, let's pray. God, we love you so much. We thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for your words. Lord, I pray that you give us a desire to meditate on your word. Lord, I pray that you give us boldness to trust you in areas that may be uncertain. All the different areas that call us into change. Uh, Maybe it's the health to for some, maybe it's the have to, maybe it's the don't have to, whatever it is, the want to, whatever changes. God, I pray that you meet us in those and you make yourself known to us. Lord, make it obvious, like the scripture says, the steps of the righteous. Lord, light, light our path and the steps that we should go. God, I pray for any fear. That's, that's in our lives or in anybody in this room, well, we pray that that be cast out in Jesus' name. I pray that a boldness rests on everybody as we navigate steps towards you in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody say amen.